we are printing money out of thin air. And I tell people, I think the only thing that's saving us right now as a nation or keeping us from going off the fiscal cliff is the fact that the dollar is still the reserve currency of the world. Welcome back to the interview podcast on the Y Milbank Podcast Network from Milbank, South Dakota. This is Craig Weinberg. YMilbank.com is the website for the studio and all the shows that come out of it. Theinterviewpodcast.org takes you right to the interview page for this show. If you want to help support the show, we are funded by the value for value model where you decide the value you get out of it. You turn that into dollars to send it back to us so we can continue these conversations and continue the shows that come out of here. Taffy Howard is running for the one seat that we have in the U.S. House of Representatives. Dusty Johnson currently holds it. Taffy Howard is running in a primary challenge to be on the ticket in November as the Republican option to go there. She sat down for a little bit today to talk about her run and why she got into it and kind of how she thinks she would be different and represent South Dakota in a different way than what we currently have. We appreciate her taking the time. Hope you enjoy this. I hope it helps influence or inform your voting choices on the 7th. Enjoy. Taffy Howard, uh, you are running for the one seat that we get in South Dakota in the U.S. House of Representatives. Um, Thanks for taking the time. Welcome to the interview. Oh, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. We, well, actually, honestly, I didn't know anything about you until the primary campaign started rolling out. And then I started seeing mailers and ads pop up on the social medias. And then I, in our political series that we do every cycle with this show, I try to reach out to all the campaign uh, campaigns to see if they'll come on and, and have a conversation because we don't want uh, talking points. That's, that's not what I'm into. I want conversation with people to see exactly what they're about. And, you know, if there's more deeper discussion that needs to go into a topic, we'll do it. And so that's the goal. And I appreciate you willing to come on. Uh, Give us just a brief rundown of um, who you are and then why you decided to jump into the national politics a little bit. Um, So I usually tell people a little bit about myself in the order of my priorities in life, which is God, family and country. Um, So I am a Christian. My faith plays a very important role in my life. I try to keep that first and foremost. Um, We're all still sinners living in a fallen world, but, you know, we, I try my best and through God's grace, um, we go from there. Um, Been blessed to be married to my husband, Mark, for 33 years, and we have two awesome young men for sons. Our oldest, Austin, is continuing the long tradition of military service in the family. He's a Navy lieutenant stationed out in Washington, and our youngest is in his third year of medical school with Mayo, and both just got married last year, and so I got involved. I've been involved in politics all my life. I mean, I would work for any conservative candidate. You know, I'll make phone calls, go door to door, wave signs, whatever you want me to do, and then six years ago, my state senator at the time asked me if I'd consider um, running for the state legislature, and If you remember, our state had just passed in back-to-back years the two largest tax increases in the history of the state seven and eight years ago. And I was so frustrated. 
I knew it wasn't necessary. Our state doesn't have a revenue problem. At times it does have a spending problem. So that um, pushed me to run for the state legislature and I'm currently vice chair of house appropriations. And as far as running for this race, it's really just, again, it's the frustration with the representation that we have. I mean, my opponent has been a huge disappointment over his time in DC. I, I believe, and a lot of other people as well, because there, you know, a lot of people ask me to jump into this race, believe that he's become part of the swamp. He's become part of the issue. He's a go along to get along career politician. And I believe we need less of that in DC. So was he that way when he started or has that in your eyes, has that happened over the couple of years or a couple of terms he's been there? Oh, I think he's always been that, but it's just people didn't really see it until he was in DC making the votes that he's made. And then it came out. I mean, if you look back on his, his, you know, life, I mean, it's, it's a bureaucrat political life. Um, so I do think it's time that we just send him back to the private sector and let him work in the real world for a while and <laughs> so what, understand what average Americans are dealing with on a day-to-day basis. Should that should there be a work requirement for politics at the national level? I do. I <laughs> that's a weird not way to say that it, but... <laughs> I, no, no, but I do think we need to give back more to being citizen legislators. You know, that's what it was originally intended to be everyday people from all walks of life contributing their part to the great mosaic and making our nation the greatest nation in the world. But now we have people who, you know, they come out of college. That's their goal is to be a politician. That's their career goal. And I, I don't get it. And I think it's, it's hurting our country. How do you go to a machine that big and not get swept up in it i mean what would you do if you you know you you win the primary and then you win the general uh how do you protect yourself from not just falling into the same rut yeah that is an outstanding question because you and i know too often we send people there and they do just become part of the problem um i my faith is first and foremost what i hope will keep me strong and and I do have a record in peer for the last six years, and which is why my fellow conservatives have asked me to run because I I stand firm. It doesn't matter. You know, I've had my I've had people question my political future. You know, what do you what do you see your political future being? I.e., if you don't back down from this, you won't have a political future. And I did not back down. So, and it also goes to who do you surround yourself with? So in peer and in DC, I will make sure that I find like-minded conservatives. And that's as iron sharpens iron, scripture tells us we urge each other forward. So you have to surround yourselves with like-minded. My opponent is a member of the Problem Solvers Caucus. I tell people I would join the Freedom Caucus. Those are the individuals in DC who desperately need our help. um, And that's who I more align with. You know, so representatives, Andy Biggs, Thomas Massey, Jim Jordan, those types of conservatives. Is there, let me rephrase that. What is the role um, of going, of, of compromise in national politics? Because the reality is nothing gets done for the most part. And most of it's because everyone gets to grandstand on television with their pet project and well where you know they've got to come to us because this is a a hill we're going to die on the other side says well they got to come to us because this is our hill we're dying on 
shouldn't there be compromise? Don't we need to work together at some point? We do at some point, but that's where you go. I can't compromise my principles. And, and this is what I've done in peer and what I would do in DC. You know, I work with everyone in peer, whether it's the Democrats or the rhinos or staunch conservatives, but you find what you can work on and you, and you build on that, but you don't compromise your principles. And as Republicans, our principle, and we stand for limited government. So there are, there are going to be hills that you have to die on. And, you know, we cannot, I say we're compromising our country away and we cannot continue to do that. So yeah, there will be some hills to die on, but you find what you can work with, you know, and that's what I've done in peer. I made some great friends across the aisle and you just be honest with where you come from and people respect that and they'll work with you on what, what you can work on. One of your issues on your website is the second amendment and the right that we, you know, to keep and bear arms. Um, it says you stand for the right to citizens. So the citizen self-defense and strongly support your proud heritage of hunting, responsible firearms ownership. Why, why not? Um, you know, in the wake of the last couple weeks of, of publicized shootings that have gone down one in the school, which is horrifying when you get into the yeah. details about it. Um, why not have a debate and actually get, let, let's start talking about this. What, what, what would be the problem with that? Um, you can have a, de- what do you want to have a debate on? You know, it, for me, you don't debate our constitutional rights. Those are inalienable rights that are not given to us by government. They're given to us by our creator. So those are not debatable. It is the second amendment unrestrictable. I don't believe there's any restriction. There's no restriction written into the constitution. So I fall back on that constitution. You know, unlike the left who believes that the constitution is a living document um, that we can change it as, as we go. I don't believe that. I believe if we want to change the Constitution, there's a process for doing that. Then we bring an amendment and we do that. Uh, but for me, that's not negotiable. So the you know if it's if it's not restrictable, just I don't know if that's a word, but that's what I'm going to say. Then isn't it restricted pretty heavily currently? And should those restrictions be removed? The, um, the fact that is- I have that, that there has to be background checks that you have to um, reach a certain age. I mean. None of that is spelled out in the Second Amendment. So where right, did those restrictions right. come from and ma- what makes them acceptable? Oh, are they acceptable? I mean, you know, that's a lot. That's a deep discussion that we could have. And, you know, bring me all the bring me all the restrictions and maybe we could go through one by one. And Well, but, well I, I guess my well, point, I, my point in the question, though, is um, if, you know, if, if we, you know, if you're going to stand on. Um, you know, we, we I will stand firm on the no, no restrictions. You know, we're not going to be able to take guns away. Well, we've already restricted it at some level. So why no, not continue it? It's not that you can't take guns away. It's just that you must have due process. I mean, we have people sitting in prison right now. They don't have their Second Amendment rights, but they had due process. So there is a way to restrict that when necessary. So I'm not saying never, no restrictions, whatever, but, but there is a process for doing that. You have to have due process. And that is a difference between my opponent and myself. He has voted for red flag gun confiscation orders. 
which strips people of their Second Amendment rights without due process. What do you mean? Explain that a little bit. So a red flag gun confiscation order is basically someone, if they go to a judge, one judge, Mm -hmm. and they prove to that judge's satisfaction that you're a danger to yourself or others, if that judge agrees, he could issue a red flag gun confiscation order. Law enforcement shows up at your house, they take all your guns, and you it's 30 days before you even have the opportunity to go before the judge to try to get your Second Amendment rights back. I mean, it's just ripe for abuse. How is that and, different from a warrant from a judge that to go and take your computer system if they suspect something uh, illegal or illicit going on? How is that different? I think that's a different argument. I mean, then that's a regular process you that you go through, and you there's evidence that's a different, totally different process. And if, I don't, if, think- if the process was the same, like you had to have legal proof and it had to be, you know, considered appropriately and deliberated by the judge, would that be acceptable? No, but see, they would never be the same because issuing a warrant for someone's arrest or whatever, then you're proving that there's just cause to go arrest that person. Well, I'm not talking about arrest. I'm talking about going into your home and and taking property for. Okay, they're searching for for evidence. You are going. Yeah, we're kind of going down a rabbit hole that that, you know, I'm not an attorney, so I don't know in all the ins and outs of how warrants are issued before Mm -hmm. they go take evidence from someone's home, but that's different than a red flag gun confiscation order, which you are losing a constitutional right. You are losing that right without due process. And you have to, there are times and places and instances where people do need to be deprived probably of those rights, but it must be through due process. We have a right to privacy too. Strictly spelled out in the constitution that gets thrown out when a warrant is issued for to walk under into our house and break the door down um, but that's a that's a justice system that is we do have a justice system for a reason mm-hmm. we're not a country with no laws right. I mean, we have to have laws we have to enforce those laws so the so. the 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 anti-gun crowd we'll call them um the pro-gun legislation crowd would say it's two apples in the same basket. It's the same thing. We're just adding another of the same thing. It just happens to be regarding guns rather than your personal property otherwise. Oh, they can say whatever they want to say. (laughs) No, this is, this is why we're here. Um, the, uh, Ukraine aid bill that just passed was worth Mm -hmm. $40 billion on top of what I understand to be 13 to 16 billion additional money that was already given. I thought it was 18, but okay. Uh, It's somewhere in there. Yes, I'm pulling it out of my memory. Um, Is that appropriate? And do we have the funds? (laughs) We certainly do not have the funds. (laughs) Another big difference between my (laughs) opponent and myself is he is a big spender. Um, We are printing money out of thin air. And I tell people, I think the only thing that's saving us right now as a nation or keeping us from going off the fiscal cliff is the fact that the dollar is still the reserve currency of the world. Although who knows for For how long. Right. Right. I mean, China just did a trade with, I think it was um, Saudi Arabia that they did, they did, um, they use their currency. Mm -hmm. So we are in dire straits fiscally and we cannot continue the reason inflation is at a 40-year high 
that's because we are printing money out of thin air that drives up inflation. So my opponent has voted for more than $5.2 trillion in spending. We're $30 trillion in debt and climbing. And difference between us, I you can look at my record in peer. I welcome people to scrutinize my record. I am a fiscal conservative. I, I believe in limited government. And I believe you have to... And somebody the other day, it was a a chair of one of the county parties, he was kind of giving us a little bit of a lecture on not calling people rhinos and, you know, who are we to say who's a true Republican? But the reality is, reality is we do have a platform. We have a Republican Party platform. We, we tell people this is what we believe. And one of those is we believe in limited government. And, and my opponent is not voting for that. What what would that look like? Limited government at the federal level, like if if you had your perfect world won, could could make the difference. What would that look like? Oh wow! Well, we'd start by eliminating a lot of the federal government. You know, I mean, Reagan had it right when he wanted to eliminate the Department of Education at the federal level. There are other departments. I'm sure we could just start going through and and eliminating things that should be retained at the state level. You know, at the, our constitution gave our federal government. In new, certain limited enumerated powers, everything else was supposed to retain, be retained by the states. We have strayed so far from that. How? And, and it, how? Yeah. What, because we, what's yeah, the because, cause? Because we send people there who have no backbone. Mm. And it's that go along to get along. Well, or I've, oh, you have no idea how many times I've seen the sitting in appropriations. People come to us asking for money for all kinds of things. And it's all good. It's there's some redeeming value for everything. It's all good. But at some point you have to say no. You have to have the backbone. And and it does take courage because I tell you what, you get hit by, you know, I I voted, I voted no so many times, you know. So then you run for re-election and you have these special interests, or oh, she's opposed to this or she's opposed to that. No, I want to get back to what the proper role of government is, and I'm willing to take that the arrows, you know, and that's what you have to have. You have to send people to D.C. who are willing to be the adult in the room and say no. What's the reality of that? Because, I mean, I, mm-hmm. one of the questions I want your thoughts on is uh, term limits at the federal level. Um, would that be right. a one step toward maybe helping some of this or is it just are we too far down the road to rein I, in I, federal spending yeah. i definitely hear that and and i struggle with that but i wouldn't be running if i thought we were too far down the road and i also believe that as long as god gives us breath we have to keep fighting um wherever he puts us and i don't so term limits i think are great um, I support term limits. I, you know, we can still have term limits right now. It's at the ballot box, but well, we can see. But, but I mean, I, right. I hear that it's not across the, it, Well, right. I hear that across the board with all kinds of races. Oh, you know, right. I, I don't know if I'm going to get reelected. Of course you do. Cause you've got right. $10 million sitting in the bank. Exactly. You'll be fine. So that's what I say. So, right. so, so to me, that's not really, um, it's neat to say, but I don't know if it actually works in practice. So I'm talking no, like a hard legal mandate. Yep. Yep. No, I absolutely agree with you that it's not working. So that's why I signed the term limits pledge. I support term limits. I think 
politicians are very arrogant when they start to think that there's no one else out there that can do their job. You know, there's, I don't think that I know that there are other people um, that are more than capable to step in to the breach and do the job. So do we need a top age? I don't know about that, but looking at the current administration, we might need a, some kind of. <laughs> well, I, I mean, we've got a bot. We have got a, a bottom age to enter. Why can't you have true. a top age? Because if you're still mentally capable and physically capable of, there's doing... no test, is there? No, but <laughs> there, there, there's no test for someone that's 34 that says, "Oh, you're good," or "You're not good to run for president." Right. But we right. we, we so said should, 35 is it exactly. Right. But why should there be a test yeah. if you're 80 or, yeah. 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 So um, it's like Mitch McConnell, I think he's 80. Ugh. Um, yeah. Chuck Grassley is running for reelection, 88 years old. Now yeah, I, I love old people. I think they're some of my favorite people in the world. I think it's time. I'm 42. He's been in there for most of my life. Yeah. Actually all of my life that I've paid attention to politics, he's been there. <laughs> yep. I, I, it's yep, problematic. It Yes, it is. And they become part of the swamp. Yeah. Diane Feinstein is in her 80s. I yeah. mean, these people have been there for a long time. Uh, the and, president, and, he's not young. Yeah. Yeah. No. And then I go, what is it with these people that, I mean, do they not have family? Do they not want to maybe, I don't know, go enjoy the their grandkids, great grandkids, you know? Is but part of the go- problem the, the benefits and the perks you get for running and winning? I don't know. If, I don't think it's that for them. I think mm. it's more they're just addicted to the power. I think you become addicted to the power. Even sadly, I'm just going to say, even sadly in Pier, Pier is a mini swamp. And mm. you get those people who are there because, you know, they like wearing the name badge. They like the recognition. They, they It's really sad. So, I yeah, I'm all for term limits. <coughs> um. How, why are you um, the best option to go to D.C.? Because I believe I will bring South Dakota common sense. I'll bring, we are a conservative state. The people of this state are conservative. That's why every Republican, when they run, they claim to be conservative, even if they are not So I do believe I will bring those limited government values to D.C. and I will fight for those. I will stand up and and I will stand with our party. You know, I point out to people, Dusty was one of the 13 Republicans who voted with Pelosi to overrule President Trump on building the wall. He abandoned our party when it mattered. Everybody can probably go back to Obamacare and remember how frustrated we were when Republicans finally got control again. And we were supposed to repeal Obamacare. And then you ha- you lose those Republicans that don't have the backbone to stand firm. So I will stand with our party. I'll fight for limited government principles. And yeah, so. Should uh, should the COVID vaccine be mandated uh, in, in, in school age children? It should, no, it should not be mandata- mandated for anyone. And well, why not? not? Why, why not in school? Because we have a whole list of other vaccines that are mandated. You do. And maybe 10 years from now, we'd have a different discussion. But for right now, no, I'm not for mandating that for anyone. And and I, the military especially is very troublesome right now because 
you have thousands and thousands of our military members begging for religious accommodation, which is a legitimate option for them. There's not been one legitimate um, accommodation issued. The only ones they've issued are for people on terminal leave or whatever. So they don't they don't count. So so um, effectively, that means there is no option. Exactly. If they're not going to exactly. grant any. Correct. Exactly. Um, Thomas Massey brought a bill to push back on that. Senator Ron Johnson's been doing a good job pushing back on that. My opponent won't touch it, won't do anything to help our military, which goes to it, it is a huge reason that I'm running because I'm a veteran, because I've seen the leftward drift that our military is taking over the last 40 years that I've been associated with it in one way or another. And he not only won't help them in this regard, but he voted for the red flag gun confiscation orders. He voted to draft our daughters. If we had another draft, he voted to require them to register with selective service. He voted for gender advisors for our military. He voted for a climate agenda being pushed on our military. So you have the secretary of the Navy came down last fall and he told everyone in the Navy that these are the top four challenges for our Navy. Number one is China, which is absolutely true. Oh, my goodness, people better wake up to the threat that China is. Um, and then we have, but then we go off the rails with culture, which is diversity and inclusion, climate, and COVID. So that's what our military is being told they need to be concerned about. Not Iran, not Russia, not um, any host of other, not getting, making sure you're properly trained, properly equipped, but, but diversity and climate and COVID, really? I think people are, that's, I, the common person sees through that and says, that's absolutely ridiculous. And we've got to have people who are willing to push back on that. Has the military become a political tool then? It has. I think it is. So from the on, top on both down. sides? No, I would say not from the right. No, I think President Trump was doing a tremendously great job getting the military back on track. I mean, our Navy's been decimated. You look at the number of ships that were down from what we were 10, 20 years ago. So my side wants to rebuild the military. Peace through strength is very much what I believe in. Um, we just, we don't want it being used as this political experiment. We don't need that being pushed on our military. Let's focus on training and equipping them. That's what our, you know, our military needs to be battle ready, not out there doing, becoming climate warriors. Is Russia the bad guy? <laughs> are, are, is Putin the aggressor? Absolutely. Absolutely. Isn't he typically always? I mean, we have to be very cautious. Do, with do we need to be, do we need to put boots on the ground to yeah. push no. him back? And we need to avoid that. Um, we do not need to be getting into another world war. Aren't we kind of doing that with uh, the military aid we are giving and sending to Ukraine? Well, that's a very real concern, which is why if I'd been in his position, I would not have voted against this last, or I would have voted against the last package of aid for Ukraine. Um, we have to realize Russia has, I think, 6,000 nuclear warheads. Are we really going to keep poking that bear? You know, we have to, it's a big issue. And, you know, I'm not privy to all the the classified briefings that members of Congress get, but I think we have to be very, very cautious. We do not need to be starting World War III. 
Is the uh, rise in prices for food and fuel and the like, is that uh, Putin's fault? As Nancy Pelosi said, is that Putin's tax hike at the pump? No, I put that on the I put that at the feet of every person who keeps voting for all the reckless spending bills. I mean, you cannot print money. Ask any economist. You can't keep printing money out of thin air without that driving up inflation, which drives up the costs of everything. And, and you know, as far as gas goes, we could talk about being energy independent, which we were under President Trump and which we need to get back to being. Um, so that's playing into that as well. But it also it's the reckless spending. We cannot we just cannot keep spending the way spending the way they are. Speaking of inflation today, right now. I just looked June 1st. Uh, mm-hmm. There was a story on CNN currently that the headline is the Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen, concedes mm-hmm. that she was wrong on the path that inflation would take. It's gone on much longer and higher than she anticipated. Is that just an administration problem? No, no. I mean, good for her for finally admitting that she did something wrong. But um, no, it's... It's not just an administration problem because it is, you know, Pelosi is in charge of the House right now, but it's it's both sides. It's, you know, I heard someone describe, sadly, someone describe too often the Democrats and Republicans in D.C. become a uniparty. They, they're just all there to make sure they protect their career. So the blame is on all the ones that are voting for the reckless spending. Like I said, though, there are a few that are standing firm. Um, the members of the Freedom Caucus, those are the ones trying to bring some sanity to the chaos and insanity. Did it surprise you at the the quick, uh, the, the rapid coming together of both Republicans and Democrats in Congress to get Putin and support Ukraine? Because it seemed like that was a really unifier, real quick. Just all of a sudden, bam, we're together, war, let's go get Russia. Mm. Well, it doesn't surprise me because too often politicians react emotionally. Mm. Um, So I think too often they allow that knee-jerk reaction of their emotions to get involved, which is why you saw such a drastic dip in the support between the first bill and the second bill, because then you have more time to reflect on Mm -hmm. it. Then you had um, most of the conservatives voted against the second bill. Where can people find out more about you and your campaign? Um, They can go to my website, which is just my name, taffyhoward.com. And if they want to volunteer, if they want to contribute, whatever they would like to do, you can do that through the website. But you can, you know, find there's different topics on there. So and you can reach out. So if anyone has any questions um, reach out to me. I I hope I try to get back to everyone as quickly as I can. I've had people reach out through Messenger, through Facebook. Um, I'll respond there as soon as I see them, um, but they can reach out through the website. So I I want to be as transparent and open with everyone as possible. Um, at the end of the day, how do you unwind? What do you do to relax? <laughs> Um, I don't know. There's not a lot of that lately, but if I can get a run in every day, that helps. You're one of those people. I, well, I try to be. Yeah, it's, that's my mental downtime. Yeah. It's, 
What is one thing South Dakota doesn't know about you? Um, a lot of people don't know that I went through Army Airborne School. So I did my five jumps. I'm qualified. So you were you did your five qualified. jumps and you're like, I'm out, I'm done? Or, or what? <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't assigned to an airborne okay. unit. So unless, you know, but maybe it's like, you know, <laughs> the first first time you you they tell you to stand up and hook hook up it's like okay it really hits you that this is hey, real you're going out that door. i'm yeah, leaving this nice airplane <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um so yeah wow. but my mom was army so she kind of even though i went air force i still had that love of the army and i did so in college i did Air Force ROTC because they gave, gave me the scholarship and because I wanted to go Air Force, but Army or ROTC, I also did that for two mm. years because they they were more fun. They like repelled <laughs> off the student union, you know, and and so that. See, I've, yeah. I've got a couple of friends. One was in the um, Marines, one was in the Air Force, and they go back and yeah. forth. So one, the guy in the Marines went to the military. The other guy just went to the Air Force. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I don't know. I didn't serve. So thank you for uh, for your service and. You said you have a son that's in the He's Navy? Navy. Yep. yep. Awesome. Yep. So I need a grandkid. Eventually, if, mm. if the Lord blesses us with grandkids, Excellent. hopefully one of them will go in the Marines. Awesome. So. Well, uh, I don't, we don't talk about the Space Force yet. It's like, no. <laughs> All I think of is Steve Carell in the TV show. So exactly. I, <laughs> we won't go down there. Um, Taffy Howard, thank you very much for taking this time. Um, I'd love to have you back. If you're ever in the Millbank area, you're more than welcome to come in uh, or we can do this. On the road again, June 7, which is uh, less than a week away now, uh, mm -hmm. is the primary election in South Dakota. Um, any last thoughts? No, I don't think so. But thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. Thank you, Taffy Howard, for opening up a little bit to us. TaffyHoward.com is her website. YMillBank.com, TheInterviewPodcast.org. If you want to help support the show, that's where you do it. You want to send us an email to say hi or you have a uh, connection or a thought about the show why millbank at gmail.com is how you do that thanks so much for listening we appreciate everyone that helps share this show out and give us all the support we can get see you all next time have a great week <laughs>